Hey, good morning. Good morning. All right, you guys can be seated. Good to see everybody this morning. You know, uh, when I was when I was in my office preparing and praying this morning, I was like, I was kind of salty. Y'all know what salty is, right? It don't mean you sour. But it means I was like, oh, man, it's all cold and stuff outside. And then I was reminded, now this is way back in the day for the reconcile old school when we used to meet in the building and it was December and the HVAC broke. That was cold, y'all. And we even tried to uh, like put like a bunch of heaters out and then it flipped the, the power switch. So this, this is okay. We're going to be okay with this. I'm glad to be here today. Glad to be here with you. We are in the book of Jonah. We're in the book of Jonah. And so Jonah chapter two, we're in chapter two today. Uh, we're going to be in a book of jo- Jonah for a couple more weeks. Um, the tagline of this series is the foolish prophet, the foolish prophet. And we saw last week in Jonah 1 that he indeed was a fool. He said he was a prophet. He said he was the one that spoke the words of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came to him and he disobeyed. Now, I have a question for you. Have you ever been speaking to someone and they don't answer? Like you're talking to them, you're asking them a question, and they're just acting like they are not paying attention. They're looking off into space. Now, it can make us angry. It, it can make, you, make us think that, you know, they don't care. And as I say this, my wife is looking at me like, yeah, that's you. That is me. I'm a culprit of this, right? I, I, sometimes I just get stuck in my thoughts. My, I'm, I'm just off in the clouds thinking about something. And then she's like, Do you listen? are you listening? Do you hear me? And she's, she's frustrated and it's understandable because you're like, I'm asking you a question and you are acting like you don't care. Now that's the part where I need to repent. All right, so y'all pray for me that I don't get stuck in the clouds. But the reality is we can be frustrated or sad because we look around and it seems as if God doesn't hear. Yeah? Now, God is, is not right in front of us, so he's not, like, we can't see his facial expression, but we can look at our life, we can look at our life situation, and we can think about the questions that we have asked him to do, or, or the prayers that we have prayed, and we can go, well, I, it don't seem like you're listening today. And it can cause us frustration, anger, sadness. Now, the question we have to ask ourselves is, what do we do when we get to this point? What do we do when we have asked God for something and we look around and it seems as if he is not answering? We're going to look at Jonah chapter 2 to figure that out, all right? So Jonah 2 verse 1, I'm going to read it. It says, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress and he answered me. I cried out for help from the, de- from the deep and Sheol. You heard my voice. When you threw me into the depths and to the heart of the seas, the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth's gate shut behind me forever. Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, 
I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I'm asking that you would speak to us today through your word. Lord, that, that your word would, would sink down deep. Lord God, that it would not only give us something to understand, but that it would have some transformative power in our heart. Would you do your work so that we would listen, that we would be, obey, and that we would love? I'm asking you this by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we are reminded uh, in Jonah chapter 1 that he had uh, disobedience. Not just disobedience one time, it was continual, perpetual disobedience, right? God said, yo, go here. He actually goes the opposite direction, gets on a boat, starts going that direction, and then he has an opportunity to repent, and the sailors are like, what's going on? There's a, there's a, there's a storm, and he could have said, hey, you could take me back to Nineveh, but he said, just, just throw me off the boat. I would rather die than obey God at this point. And Jonah is in the proverbial grave because of his persistent disobedience. That points to this truth is that sometimes we find ourselves in the problems of life because of our own fault. I hope I'm not alone here. Sometimes I can find myself in a situation and there's a part of me that's like, well, why did this happen? But there's another part of me that goes, I, I kind of did this, right? Anybody been there? That's just me. Okay, we got sanctified people over here. But you see what I'm saying? Like we can be in a situation where it's like, man, I, it is my fault. But here's the, here's the beauty of this, this text is that even if your situation is your fault, I got to rock, man. It's just the wind's just blowing. No, nah, it's fine. Even if it is your own fault, you can still call out to the Lord. It is as clear as day that Jonah is in the belly of this fish because he disobeyed over and over again. But it is also clear that though he disobeyed over and over again, he can still call out to the Lord. Now here's the deal. We, oh, I skipped the page. Man, this wind is tripping, y'all. There it is. All right, here's the deal. We can often not be honest with ourselves because we actually believe that God does not hear sinners. What I mean is this. Sometimes the temptation to not admit our own fault is because we think if we actually admit our own fault, that God then will not hear us. We lie to ourselves and we lie to God, but we don't have to do that. We can own our faults fully and still run to the Lord because he is gracious and merciful. We see that that trouble can cause us to reach out to God. Look at verse 2. It says, I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside Sheol. You heard my voice. This, this place, Sheol, it's, it's the place of the dead. It's, it's the grave, the place of no return, the place where the prayers don't get answered because you're not on earth anymore. He felt in the depths of gloom and darkness. 
I don't know if you ever ever felt like the walls have been closing in on you or or maybe you have a, a perpetual cloud of despair that seems to hang over your head. Maybe it is because of your own guilt and your own shame. And you might think, ah, oh, can God hear me through this? But nevertheless, we see that in Jonah, he called to the Lord. See, God is faithful and he hears us in situations even when it doesn't look like he is listening. See, Jonah's trouble was discipline from the Lord. Look at verse three. He owns, he says, when you threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, the current overcame me. All of your breakers and your billows swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. Here's the good news in this. That seems horrible that God would allow these things to get his attention. But the good news is this, is that if you belong to God, he will not allow you to walk in disobedience. If you belong to God, he will not allow you to walk in disobedience. Now, I've I've, I've had the privilege of, of, of talking about this next verse a lot. In the community, and in Hebrews 12, 5, 8, it says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly. I lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. See, God will seek you out through hard circumstances so that you will learn to obey him. And this is grace. Imagine if I was wandering, heading off of a cliff, and someone saw me and just watched it. That's not loving. But imagine if I was walking towards that cliff and somebody began to yell at me. And I still didn't listen, so maybe they threw something at me. And I still didn't listen, so maybe they got in a car and tried to get in front of me. And I would think, why are you inconveniencing me so And they would say, because I love you and because I don't want you to go off of that cliff. Here's here's the point. If God does not discipline you, then you do not belong to him. Now, we know this. We, We don't discipline other people's kids. That would be weird. I know sometimes you feel like you should. I know you've been up in a grocery store and some kid was wilding. And it ain't your kid, and you're like, man, can somebody get your kid? But you don't, you don't actually say nothing. See, listen, we don't need to be jealous of the one who sins openly and seems to have no consequence. Like, we can look at others and say, look how far they're getting ahead in life. Look how much stuff they have. Look how much prestige they have. And we know they're doing wrong things, and we can become jealous in our own hearts. But if if we are allowed to persist in sin and wrongdoing without obstacles, that may mean that we are somebody else's kid, that we don't belong to the Father that disciplines us. Not only that, Jonah felt this sense of overwhelming shame. 
If you go back to the text, he says, it feels like I've been banished from your sight. That you said, get away from me. Is this not how shame can feel? Our sin can make us flee from God because we assume that he is as mad or more frustrated with us than we are ourselves. And that shame just just hangs over our head. But listen, in the middle of his shame, I want you to consider the boldness of Jonah. He is in the middle of shame saying that I have been banished from the sight of God, yet I will look to the holy place. Now, let me tell you why that matters. Back in the day when there was priests and sacrifice, there is this, this day called the Day of Atonement. And the priest, he would, he would go into the, the most holy place to offer a sacrifice. Now, a lot of times this priest would stay awake all night in case he would inadvertently sin in his sleep. Not only that, they would tie a rope on his leg. Because they said, if you go up in God's presence and you are not holy, you could die. Now, Jonah, we just looked at Jonah. He is not, maybe he sinned. It's obvious that he sinned. Yet he wants to go to the place where his sin is most known because that is the place where his healing is. That is the place where his forgiveness is. We don't need to, to, to wallow in the dark and in the shame of our sin, but we will go to the place where our sin is most fully known because that is the place where we will receive healing and help. He looked to the place that would expose his sin the most, and he had hope that God would be merciful. Now, you continue in this prayer, you can see that he felt abandoned, yet he still reached out. Verse 5, it says, The water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the fountains, foundations of the mountains. The earth's gates shut behind me forever. Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. You can see in this passage that, that Jonah is, is beginning to come to his senses a little bit. Right? He, 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 he sees the depths of his sin. He sees he's made a mistake. But he asks this, this, this question, well, where else can I look? Where else can I look for help? Even though I might have to face my sin, even though my faults might be on display, where else can I turn? See, we might feel trapped and boxed in by our own. Listen, one of the things that, that blocks us from coming to God the most is not because he's mean and angry. It's because we can't come to terms with the dirt in our hearts. Beloved, it's not him that's blocking you a lot of times. A lot of times it's your perception of him. It's your perception of his anger and your perception of his frustration. But this is an invitation to us. Let's come to our senses. If we are in the pit of shame, there is one that can pull us out. And we must reach out to him. Not only that, we, we can't put our trust in anything else. Look at verse 8. It says, 
those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. The point of the matter is we find ourselves tricked by our idols. Now, idols are, are man-made gods that we, we center our lives around. It could be greed. It could be power. It could be approval. It could be pleasure. It's, it's that thing that, that your, your gut reason why you're making the decisions that you make, and if it's not centered on the Lord, it's centered on something that might not be bad in of itself. But if you begin to center your life around it, you start making decisions that are contrary to what is good. See, we find ourselves cherishing things that would destroy us. See, see Jonah, Jonah cherished his ethnicity. And when God said, go to Nineveh, he's like, not them. I ain't going over there. And then he founds, finds himself in the belly of a fish because instead of centering his life around God, he centered his life around his own loves. But what's interesting is the, interesting is the verse says that the worthless idols abandon their faithful love. This, this idea of faithful love is covenant love. Now, when we think of love, we think of like a fleeting emotion. But when you see that term faithful love, I want you to think this, uh, this feeling of, of, of affection plus commitment. It's this feeling of affection, but the promise that it's not going to go away. And oftentimes when we center ourselves around things that aren't God, we find out that they don't have faithful love for us. Maybe we had the feelings of pleasure or of delight, but we do not have this promise that that thing would provide for us. They do not deliver. And at the end of this prayer, we see that he obeys God finally because he sees God's faithfulness. Look at verse 9. It says, but as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. See, oftentimes when we have to deal with the consequences of our own sin, we suddenly see the good of obeying God, right? We're like, well, that didn't work out too well, so maybe I should do what God wants me to do. He sees the good of obeying God now. And God delivers even his wayward people. See, this story about Jonah is a story of grace. Not simply to the ones that Jonah is going to preach to, but to Jonah himself. That he would claim the name of prophet declare that he would follow God, openly, persistently disobey, and God still delivers him. This is the outrageous grace of God. Now, here's the interesting thing. As I was studying this text, reading commentaries and such, many commentaries point to the deficiencies of Jonah's prayer. They're like, it wasn't a good prayer, which I found interesting. What they would point out to, they would say, man, listen, he didn't directly ask for forgiveness, which he didn't. He didn't directly say, Lord, will you forgive me for what I did? And he did not directly pray for the people that saved him, 
right? He didn't pray for the sailors that saved his life. And they'll, they'll look at the prayer and the commentators will say, well, that probably points to some deficiencies in Jonah's heart, but, but I want to point to some good news. The answer to the prayer is not based on some formula that Jonah articulated when he prayed. The answer to prayer is based on God's character. God doesn't hear our prayers because they are crafted well. It's not, I mean, I know you can hear somebody pray and you can think, man, they, they just really know how to pray. But I want you to understand in God's economy, that is not, that does not matter. The eloquence of the prayer does not equal that it is a better prayer. Okay? Some will say, uh, well, he, he didn't cover all of his bases. I want you to understand, God does not hear our prayers because they cover all the bases of what we need to pray for. God's willingness to answer our prayers is not found in us. God's willingness to answer our prayers is because he is kind, because he is gracious, because he has love, because he will show faithfulness. Beloved, that should give you some confidence. Maybe you don't know what to say or how to say it, or maybe your life is jacked up, and maybe you are in the belly of a fish of your own making. But that does not mean that God will not hear you because he doesn't hear us based on us. He hears us based on him. Not only that, we have even more concrete proof that God hears us. See, Jonah hadn't hadn't seen the gospel of Jesus, but we have. We have this news that Jesus Christ, he lived a life of absolute obedience. There was not a moment where he did not obey God. The complete opposite of Jonah. Listen to this. Jesus even prayed perfect prayers. One of the, one of the things that's really funny is, is when, when Jesus is going to pray for Lazarus to, to, be, to, to rise from the dead, he says in his prayer, he says, listen, God, I know you hear me. I'm just saying this out loud so that all of them will know that you hear me. He had such confidence that whatever he would ask from God, God would do it because he was perfect and sinless. He did nothing wrong. But beloved, there was one time when Jesus prayed and God said no. In Matthew 26 and verse 39, it says, go on a little further. He, Jesus, fell face down and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. This is the night before he is crucified. Imagine, imagine having a track record of every time you ask something from God, he did it. That is a track record of Jesus. And he is looking at the, the face of the cross. And yes, there was physical suffering. There was beating and scourging, nails in his hands and in his feet that he could foresee. But it says, don't let this cup pass from me. See, the, this cup is the weight of all the guilt and all the shame of the world. I know there are times when I can't even stand my own guilt and shame. But to bear yours as well, but all of the guilt, all of the shame is going to be placed on him. And he looks at it, he says, Father, if there is another way, I don't want to go to this cross. I don't want to face this wrath. 
I don't want to face the consequences of their sin. But we know what God said. God said no. Jesus' prayer was was not answered so that our prayers could be heard. See, Jesus died in our place and rose again so that the sin and the guilt is dealt with. Our confidence is not in the the goodness of our prayers or the uprightness of our lives. Our confidence is because Jesus Christ took our guilt and our shame on the cross so I can stand and ask God for the things that I need, not because Will Bronis has done something good, but because Jesus Christ has done everything good. And there was a time when he asked God for deliverance and God said no so that I could be delivered. Beloved, this is the confidence that we have. We can come to God with our filth because Jesus took the consequences of our filth on the cross. See, in the time of need, we have to come to him. In Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16, it says, For we do not have a high priest. He's talking about Jesus. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find help in the time of need. Beloved, we can come to Jesus because he understands us. You can be like, oh, you don't understand what it's like to have this hard life. You don't understand what it's, what it's like to endure all this pain. You don't understand what it is to feel the guilt that I feel, beloved. Yes, he does. He has felt every pain. He has been tempted in every way like you, said no, yet still felt your guilt on the cross. We can go to him because he understands. We can come to Jesus because of his grace. And beloved, we can come to Jesus and find mercy and power when we are weak. So what I want to encourage you with is that when you pray, I want you to go to prayer not being overly concerned about the rightness of your words, not trying to figure out how you can cover all your bases, but I want you to come to the Lord bearing the rawness of your emotions, the difficulty of your situation, your deepest needs. I want, a, I want a sense of raw prayer. We don't need to come to Jesus with patty cake prayers. We bear our soul to him because his soul was bared for us. And beloved, lastly, if you find yourself in, in this, this hypothetical belly of the fish because of your own disobedience, then Jesus is both inviting you and is willing to empower you to walk in obedience to the scriptures. If you feel weighed down by guilt, if you feel weighed down by shame, today is the day to come to him to receive forgiveness, healing, and hope. Beloved, if if that is you and when service is done, I want you to come speak with me. There need not be another day for you to live separately from him when he is willing and ready to come to you. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, I thank you for this story of Jonah. I thank you. It, it shows us your character, but in all honesty, Lord, it shows us us. Lord, how we can be put into the pit because of our own doing. But even if we find ourselves in that place, you still pursue us. You still love us. Father, I want to pray for, for those who have a shaken confidence in your love. Father, I pray that they would be convinced and encouraged of the truths of your gospel. There is no need for shame and guilt and fear to keep us from you. You run to us with love, care, and sacrifice. Let us run to you in repentance and in trust. In Jesus' name, amen.